Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna. With Benelin on News Talk. You can email the show alive and kicking at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Claire McKenna Presents. Coming up this morning, Joe Cross found himself fat, sick and nearly dead at the age of 40. They are his words and it's the title of his documentary where he took hold of his health and travelled across America, extolling the virtues of micronutrients. 16 years on and owner of Reboot with Joe, I'll be asking for his life lessons. And Sarah Tobin found trauma after childbirth left her struggling to cope. Her own experience of EFT or tapping has led to her sharing the practice with mums and teachers all over the world. So what kind of health and wellness week did I have? Well, this is a good week. I am heading away to America to visit my sister and her family and her week old baby boy. I have spoken on the show before about how tough I found it when she moved away 18 months ago with her husband who's from there driven by a sense of adventure, the house prices here and, of course, a going home for her husband. They left and it honestly felt as much as a trauma as my dad passing, as I suppose it is a grieving of sorts for a life you thought you might have with her half an hour down the road and her kids enmeshed in mine. But look, that is, of course, still the case wherever your family is in the world, but it is a different way. So I went to Miriam and Jerry's Soul Space event before Christmas in the Helix. It was gorgeous, such a moving event. I loved it. If you can get to one or join their online community, do. They are gorgeous people who do incredible work. But in it, there was a meditation with Miriam and she was asking us what we were letting go of as we prepared to move into a new year. And I was shocked when the first thing that came up for me was that I was going to let go or I should let go of feeling angry and sad about my sister going. And look, of course, I've been happy and excited for her seeing them buy a new house and settle in. And we do keep in touch all the time. But I was still carrying around that sense of sadness. So, yes, I decided there to let that go because it's pointless, really, isn't it? We waste energy on things we can't change. And I've hung on to it now for a good year. I've had a good think about it, a good process of it. I've had a good cry at times. But at some point in our lives with certain situations, we need to appreciate we've worked through something and now it's time for a new phase. Let go of the old and make way for the new. So I'm delighted to be taking this new energy over with my mum to meet and help with the new arrival and just sit around in our PJs talking and being happy for her new life there. You can email the show aliveandkicking at newstalk.com. Now, my next guest, Joe Cross, is a filmmaker, an entrepreneur, an author and a wellness advocate. He directed and produced and was the subject of the award winning 2010 documentary Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. He went on to film two more looking at healthy food, people's confidence and how to stay healthy in an unhealthy world. He extols the virtues of micronutrients, which in a world when most of our food is processed, we are missing. And his business, Reboot with Joe, has encouraged thousands of people across the world to take and make long lasting changes to their health. And he joins me on the line now. Hello, Joe. How are you? Uh, G'day, Claire. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here. You were a lecturer on my health coach course and your story really resonated with me and I saw recently on your Instagram that you were in Ireland and we did try and make an in-studio interview we did, work. We did. But it was your last actually, day in Dublin. It was. I, I came to uh, I came to Dublin to renew my visa for the US. You, 
uh, my, my US, I, I live in the United States and you've got to go out of the country and uh, what a great place to go to, to Dublin, to renew renew your visa and spend a week in, in gorgeous uh, Dublin and Ireland. I do love it there. Okay, so this wasn't your first time. You do pick Ireland from, from time to time. Oh, yeah, look, I mean, my 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 ancestors came come from County Clare. Um, my mother's maiden name is O'Gorman, and the O'Gormans are a big part of County Clare. I've been there. I've visited. Um, I think it's a town called Ennis. Mm. Um and uh, I've played golf in a lot of your amazing golf courses. Uh, now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very much, and of course, U2 is my favourite rock band. So, you know, I feel very Irish, Claire. Good stuff. And County Clare is amazing. There's great wellness down in County Clare. It's absolutely one of my favourite places and not just because it's my name, I promise. Um, <laughs> but you do have an incredible story to tell, Joe. And it started at your 40th birthday. That was the turning point, the eye opener. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, as Oprah would call it, the aha moment. My my um, my aha moment was when I turned forty. I I'd been sick with an autoimmune disease, a a chronic urticaria angioedema, which is just fancy words for saying chronic hives. And I needed to take fifty to sixty milligrams of prednisone, a powerful steroid, every day just to get by. And I'd been out for my fortieth birthday celebrating. I'd drunk probably I uh, look probably eight or nine pints of beer, probably a bottle of wine, half a bottle of vodka, smoked two packets of cigarettes and had enough Chinese food to feed the Irish Irish Navy. And I just went, you know what? I woke up that next morning and here I am reaching for the medicine cabinet. I'm 150 kilos and I'm sick, I'm fat and I'm nearly dead. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? You know, I thought I was a smart guy. So I kind of made a decision that day, instead of outsourcing my health, which I'd been doing for eight years to people in white coats, I would take control back. And I made a pledge that I would I'd turn my back on Mother Nature and I would go back to her. Now, this all didn't happen that morning, Claire, I'll, I'll be honest. But the actual idea that morning of actually becoming um, someone that, that I didn't want to be who I was in the past and starting fresh and new, that was born that morning. And it took me a little while to work out what I was going to do. But it ended up um, it ended up being a, a commitment to fruit, vegetables, nuts, beans, seeds, and whole grains. And I was prepared to do a two year stint of just consuming that food to see if there was some way that I could get off my illness. And I decided to juice fast, you know, do really go hardcore for the first sixty days. And that's that's where the movie really starts at the beginning of my journey, where I drink fresh fruit and vegetable juice only for two months. And we'll get into that in a moment. But before we do, I just want to kind of touch on on your life there leading up to your 40th, because I think it's quite indicative of the modern world and where we place our value on success and happiness, because you were a hugely successful guy who had made a lot of money. You know, you, you had a great lifestyle, great friends, ticking all of those boxes. But at yeah. what expense? That's exactly right. You know, when I founded my first company, um, I was 24 years of age and I had a waistline that was like 30. When I sold that company, I was 40 and had a waistline that was something like 48. And that 
you know, while my bank account grew, my width around my waist did exactly the same. It was like a corresponding um, uh, category. And it was through sacrifice of not training. It was a sacrifice. And also, you know, there's certainly a, a big part of, like, life's easy, so let's just get takeaway. Let's just eat um, the food that's just so easy for us to, to, to consume, you know, the fast food takeaway. And so I... I there's no question in my mind as I look back and knew how I was then, um, I was ignorant. I, I really just thought that heart attacks and cancer and, you know, blood pressure issues and cholesterol issues, that's what happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. And, of course, you know, it wasn't too long until I was 32 that I actually broke um, and, and, and became uh, dependent without having a chronic illness and being dependent on medication, you know, for eight years, every morning, every lunchtime and every night I needed my pills. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair to you, life was very busy. You were working long hours. I think there's a lot of entertaining involved um, in your line of work. So you're you're out meeting people. And then if you're working hard, you're, you're playing hard. So often something falls by the wayside, whether that's certain personal relationships you can't give 100% to or your, your health and wellness. But you're still a very big, busy entrepreneur now. So it can be done. Oh no, that definitely can be done. I, I, I actually had just had my priorities um, out of whack, Claire. I, you know, we we are all the the CEO of our own health, and you know, we, we uh, many of us just don't put health up high enough on the scale of what's important to us. Um, you know, a, a lot of people put family before health. And really, what good are you to family if you have poor health? I mean, I, I've always argued that your health should be at the very top of your priority list. Now, it's hard to do. It's not easy. Uh, I'm, and I'm certainly, you know, no guru today. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very much 80-20 um, uh, kind of personality as well. You know, 80% of the time, I'm pretty good. But there's still that 20% of the time where I'm neglectful and, and don't do really what I know I should do. I still don't do it. So I'm, I'm, I think it's important to let people know that even people who know a lot of this information are not always able to even do it themselves. They, you have the knowledge, but it's the, it's the action is so hard. Yeah. And look, we'll get into that. But let's go back then to 2010. And the making of that documentary, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. Why did you decide to document it in that way? Like you said, you you committed to a juice fast for 60 days, but you did it while Mm. travelling across America. Where did that idea come from? So I was telling a bunch of friends in Australia, um, I, I, I live in Sydney, at the time I was living there full time in Sydney, and I was telling some friends and they said, you know, Joe, you are the least likely person to drink green juice and do something like this. You're, you're, a, you're a guy in a pinstripe suit, you drive fast cars, you're investment banking, you're in that sort of world that we just discussed, this high-flying world. You're, you don't have the long hair with the beard standing on top of your head on a hill. That's, you know, was back in 2008, 2007, when this idea was born, um, that was kind of like the idea of green juice. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting if I put a camera on myself? Because that might, number one, help me 
actually complete the journey. Remember, the journey was a two-year journey. It wasn't just a 60-day journey. I'd made a decision that I had been so neglectful to my health that I needed to really turn away from the alcohol, from the cigarettes, from the steaks, from the processed food, and I was only going to eat fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, seeds, um, whole grains for two years, okay? So I, I was prepared to go two years on this really strict, uh, what you would call a micronutrient diet only, okay? Now, obviously, there's there's macronutrients in there because there's carbs, protein, and fat, but specifically focused on micronutrient-rich food. And I was going to wait and see if at the end of the two years, I still had my chronic urticaria angioedema. I was going to basically agree that I was in that camp where about 20% of chronic disease, you can't do much about it. It's like luck of the draw. But a whopping 80% of people with chronic disease, Claire, it's because of their lifestyle choices. And so I wanted to find out if I was in that camp, if I was in the what are you doing, Joe Camp? Okay, how crazy are you, Joe Camp? That I was doing this to myself. So, in that in that commitment of two years of eating just that that way, that was a hard. That was a that was like a that was like a um, a sentence, if you like, like a judge, jury, and executioner saying, Joe, you are sentenced to two years of plants. So, putting a camera on myself, I thought would really help me uh, achieve it, but also. What if this worked, Claire? What if what I was doing would work? Um, also, being a guy back then, a lot of this was done by, by, by a lot of women were, were advocating this. Not a lot of men were doing things like this. Um, that's changed, of course, which is fantastic. But, you know, you go back to, you know, 15 years ago, and it might seem like a short period of time for some, but a lot, you know, there was no Netflix back then. Um, there was no... There was no YouTube had just started. iPhone had just come out. Um, so it was very early days. And so that's what was the inspiration. Number one, help me through it. Number two, what if this works? It'd be a great story to share. And of course, if you're an Australian, you've got to go to where the most English language is spoken. And that's the United States, because while us Aussies and Irish will love watching content from all over the world. I take you back 15 years ago. Americans were much more interested in watching content about themselves than from other countries. So in order for me to get the most eyeballs on this film, I thought, why don't I do my journey, my my 60 days of juice, driving across from, from the East Coast to the West Coast of the United States and just talk to people. Talk to them about their lives and about what they they go through. Don't judge. Don't judge anyone because look at me. Look where I was. It was more about a, a, a journey of asking and listening, but doing a lot of listening, Claire. And can I ask you about Australia then? Because I haven't been there yet. Um, I will get there. It's definitely on the list. But I have this impression that it's a very health conscious nation because it's so into the outdoors and and friends that have come and gone from places like Sydney talk about this whole health and wellness vibe that goes on over there. Is is that true or only in parts? Obviously, so, you so lived I think there. there is certainly, yeah, look, I, I think there are definitely pockets and communities, particularly now, that are like that. But 
once again, when I was when I was doing this journey, it was fifteen years ago. The, the actual the actual film started filming in two thousand and seven. Okay, the movie was released in twenty ten, as you point out, but it took three years to 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 to, to make that movie. So back in two thousand and seven there was nowhere near the vibrancy, the communication. And, and I do think that this uh, revolution, if you like, of all of these younger generation, the, the millennials and so on, have really taken this by, the, by the, the horns and really done a great job. And so you're seeing, you know, so many more vegan restaurants, so many more cafes with healthier options. You're seeing restaurants that are putting on much, much cleaner, healthier food. And we are lucky down here in Australia, particularly where I am in Sydney, and if you go down to Melbourne, you have some of the best produce that you can taste. It's incredible. I mean, I, I, I know how good the produce is in Dublin as well. You have incredible produce there because of your lush fields. So when I'm in America, I miss that. I miss that kind of uh, taste in the food because I, I, that's lacking, you know, particularly in, the, in a large part of the United States. But... You know, we do have our fair share of problems here, Claire. In fact, you know, Australia as a percentage um, is right up there with the United States in terms of the obesity rates, the diabetes rates, etc. And I was interested in, in some of the stats that you share and the information you shared through the, the documentary. And I imagine they still hold up. In fact, may have got a little bit worse. But let's talk a little bit about micronutrients and in it an American doctor you're speaking to is sort of saying that 60% of our diet is coming from processed foods which means that the micronutrients in them are fairly lacking even if there is vegetables in them they've been you know so manufactured and and messed around with that they've lost that and you know then you have other segments of things we eat like fats and and grains and then it's only 5% of our diet is micronutrients. And how important are they to our health? Yes. Yeah, so uh, this is something that I learned. And, you know, look, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I, I think telling stories and one of the reasons why the film has been so successful is it really helps people to understand. You know, if you think about our bodies um, as a machine, and, and we're, we're much more than that, but if you just think about it like as a machine, you know, the, the macronutrients, which is just three of them, protein, carbohydrate and fat, that's like the fuel that keeps us going. So if you live on a diet high in processed food, you're going to get a lot of carbohydrate, which is going to be turned into glucose and sugar. And that's going to give you energy to move. And you're going to get your fat and your protein. You're going to get that from, from a lot of junk food. You will get it. You'll get a lot of it. But what you're missing when you take the micronutrients out is you're missing, it's kind of like the way I think about it, it's the communication um, ability between cells. So it's like, it's like the software, if you like, that runs the machine. And what, what our cells need to do is our cells need to communicate with other cells. They need to know how to come back because a cell that mutates, we call that cancer. We want our cells, like our red blood cells, every 30 days, they rejuvenate and they come back all fresh and fresh as a daisy. And that's our beautiful blood red cells that are running through our bodies right now. So communication between these cells, communication in this network inside of our body is key. And that communication works extremely well if you provide an enormous amount of micronutrients. Micronutrients, there's over 10,000 different chemicals. Phenolic acid is an example of one. Calcium is an example of one. You have, it's just like there's so many to count. But it's these 
nutrients. They're not, it's not a fuel. It's a communication capability that enables our cells to actually live the best life and to actually perform and function as they should. So people that have a diet that is high, high in fruit, vegetables, nuts, beans, whole grains, seeds, these types of foods are pouring an enormous amount of micronutrient energy into their body so the communication inside their system is a lot clearer and therefore less prone to having dis-ease disease so it's it's quite it's, it's not rocket science or that kind of is really crazy science but this is the power of fruits and vegetables and they enable us to have ourselves simply communicate and perform better yeah and i love your message because you said earlier obviously there are some people who genetically are predisposed predisposed to certain illness or disease. So it's not about apportioning blame for why somebody gets ill, but it's about checking, are there things that I can do differently, which is exactly what you did on your journey to find out which camp were you in. And after following this, you found out you were in the lifestyle choice because you managed to turn your autoimmune illness around, didn't you? That's right. It was. It, it took... Uh, basically, I didn't need to do two years. It was ended up being five months. It was the 60 days of juice and then three months of eating just micronutrients and I was off all medication and my illness completely had dissipated and gone away. Now, I'm not going to say that I was cured because I actually think, Claire, that if I return back to my old ways, it'll probably rear its ugly head again. It's almost like, in Joe's body, the weakest link is this chronic urticaria angioedema. Maybe in somebody else, it's a migraine or an eczema or a psoriasis or a Crohn's or something. We all have a weakness that will share and bloom if we actually are not optimizing ourselves the best we possibly can from our responsibility. And for me, it ended up being these chronic hives, this angioedema, this swelling under the skin, which you wouldn't want to give to your worst enemy. It was a disease of touch. And look, I'm blessed and so thankful every day that I don't have that anymore. Um, the last time I had any medication for it was in 2008, and it was March of 2008. And so it was really five and a half months. And since then, I'm happy to report I've, you know, where are we now, 2023. So, you know, it's really 15 years um, without, a, without a single uh, case coming back or it, um, it, it, it affecting my life in any way, shape or form. And can I ask you about juicing then and, and, and that very extreme way that you went with 60 days of juice only? Is that mm -hmm. not an unhealthy reboot when it comes down to it really? Why not just switch to the balanced diet you're talking about now that involves the macronutrients, that involves the whole grains, the beans. Why not just start on that journey? Yeah, good question. Um, I think that the answer is that we're all different. And I kind of, while we're all different, Claire, I, I kind of feel that the world's a little bit binary. A, a lot of things, I mean, not all things, but a lot of things you can put into a, a left, a left category, a right category, a, um, this, this, this or that, and 
what I have come to learn is that there are really two types of people out there when it comes to change. There's people that need to take big action because they can't do the little steps. And there are people that can do the little steps and that really works for them. So I always say this to people, if you're somebody that, take for example, the swimming pool. I don't know how some people can walk into a swimming pool, Claire, like just start tiptoeing in and letting that water go up their shins, legs, waist, all the way up. I'm a diving type of person, okay? I have to get wet, bang, just jumping straight in. So in for me, the idea of going to this extreme of like, okay, I am really going to cut everything out and I'm going to, instead of doing like a water fast, I'm going to do a juice fast because the, the, for me, it came from water fasting, this idea of, of allowing the body to self-repair and heal. And that is done a lot through water fasting. But I didn't think water fasting was something that I could do. Or at the time, I didn't think it was healthy. So I thought that drinking the nutrients from plants would be a sort of a compromise. So today, if people come up to me in the street and ask me, Joe, should I do 60 days of juice fasting? My general answer is no. I don't think that's something you should do. In fact, on my website, not in Reboot with Joe, we don't advertise or push for anything longer than 15 days. And even our 15-day reboot is five, day, five days of eating the micronutrient diet. So it's actually just 10 days of juicing. Now, what the juicing does and what I, what I have found that it helps with is that it gives that system a rest of digestion. And that break is something that if you go back in time and in history, Claire, um, humans have been on planet Earth, depending on your belief, and I spend a lot of time in the south of America, so they believe in creationism. So those people believe in 6,800 years. Well, I go, there was a garden there first. And then when, if you, uh, my belief is that humans have been around for about 6 million years, but Homo sapiens for about 250,000 years, food has not always been around. And we've been through feast and famine. And our body knows exactly what to do when it's fasting. It knows to produce the ketones to turn, to, to exhaust the glycogen in the muscles after three days, and then to turn the fat stored on the body into ketones to then use that as the energy source. So our bodies are completely able to adapt to fasting. So I felt in my journey that fasting is a part of a history of humanity that we don't employ anymore. Religions take fasting on. Most of the major religions in the world have some form of fasting in the history. So to me, it didn't seem extreme. What actually felt extreme was going to Las Vegas for seven days and eating at those buffets for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I think that's more extreme than actually going on seven days of juice fasting. Because I believe that history has shown us that humanity has come from a history of fasting. So that doesn't mean I'm right, Claire, or, or, you know, but that's my view on it and that's why I approached it the way that I did. Yeah, and you do always profess a very holistic view of health. It wasn't just this juice fast that changed everything. It was the balanced diet. It was a change oh, yeah. to your lifestyle 100%. that was consistent and long. And you do always say consult GP before you start anywhere. You're not saying replace your medication with juice. I just think it's important to put that out there. Before we move on from from the documentary and your experience there, I would have to mention 
Trucker Phil, um, who became a massive part of it and was almost like a a poster boy, if you, if you want, for um, people who have let their life their life slide. Um, you know, his personal relationships were failing, his health was failing, and he was really at rock bottom. And he met with you, and he had the same autoimmune disease, and you'd never met anyone else with it. No, no, it's quite incredible, Claire. I mean, one of the reasons Fat Sick and Nearly Dead is voted um, worldwide, as, as if it, which I'm very proud of and can't believe it, to be really honest, it's one of the top ten inspirational films, um, documentaries in the world because of Phil. I mean, it's not Joe's journey. I mean, you know, no one really cares about some rich white guy from Australia. But you take Phil who's down and out and he's a truck driver from, you know, living in, in, in the back of his truck basically in Iowa and he's on the on the, the poverty line. Here's a guy who's 450 pounds. Now, I think in stone, if I had to let's take a calculator out and divide 450 by 14, but, you know, we're in the, we're in the above 30 stone, um, 40 stone. We are massive in terms of where he was in his, in his, his journey. He was twice as heavy as me. Um, and so what were at the time that we met? Um, and so Phil is somebody that was like, he walked through the door for so many people in America. He was, he was representative of millions of people and for him to do what he did and, and let's face it he wasn't part of my story in, in the I mean by the time I met Phil I'm at the end of my journey um, Phil doesn't contact me Claire for six months after I meet him it all looks pretty quick in the film but when I meet him and when he calls me it's six months later um, and it happened to be Mother's Day in Australia the year after so I, I met him in uh, what would have been late November in 2007, and he calls me in May of 2008. And so I'm finished the film, I'm wrapping things up, I'm off the medication, I've done the journey, and I go back to my crew in, in, in New York and I say, guys, we have to go and film this guy. And they looked at me like I had two heads. No one does that in the movie or film business because you're on budget, you're on time, you've got a wrapped movie. To open something up is like crazy. But I just said, look, I've got a gut feeling here. I just want to, I just want to go and film him for ten days, and it can be in the credits. Well, of course, we get over there, we film him, and then what happens and how he keeps going, it changes the whole movie. And in fact, I had to throw the first movie out, Claire, and we'll, we'll really re-edit it to break it down to being half the journey that it was, because Phil's story takes over the film, and. You know, it, it, it changed my budget, my blew out and my bank manager wasn't very happy with me, but I feel like it was worth it because the the film that came out of that and the story there is um is 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 so compelling and it's like so much better than what I had originally. So it was one of those gut instincts. Um I'm a trader by you know, it was my business and I had a gut instinct and a feel that this was a, a bet that was worth taking and you know, and fortunately for uh, for us, it, it paid off. Oh, absolutely! And um, people can watch the film for free um, at rebootwithjoe.com. So, can I ask you, Joe? Um, what sixteen years or so later? How is life now? 
uh, from a health point of view, as I said, I'm I'm 80 20. Uh, I I know that I know what I need to do. I'm not on any medication now, and that's how I measure it. I don't ever think the job is done, and I can sit back and say, hey, you know, I'm living my best life. Um, but I'm also conscious not to be too hard on myself. And I talk to people about this all the time. That you know, every day is is a day where you've got to just be very gentle with yourself and not not be a you know we, we are often our own worst enemy and our critic our, our biggest critic and i'm 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 someone who tries to educate and teach people that you know you've got to show yourself a lot of love and you know you, you show me people where they don't love themselves and they don't love their plants that's a person that's going to be broken and unhealthy but people who love themselves and care for themselves and love their love their micronutrients generally they're really healthy people claire well, you are relatable and honest and I really love your message. For more, people can go with rebootwithjoe.com. Joe Cross, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Claire. It's been a pleasure. Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna on News Talk. And thank you very much again to Joe for coming on. Now, I think it's really important to note that while I love everything Joe stands for and the positive changes he has made for himself and the many thousands he has worked with, I am not endorsing that to get healthy, you have to start with a juice fast. This is just one man's story and opinion. And ultimately, he admitted himself in the interview, it was the long lasting lifestyle changes he made which really made the difference. Before making any drastic changes related to your health, you must contact your GP. But I hope Joe Cross and Phil the Trucker's story that we spoke about from his documentary will inspire you that true and lasting change is possible. Now, my next guest, Sarah Tobin, found trauma after childbirth left her struggling to cope. Her own experience of EFT or tapping has led to her sharing the practice with mums and teachers all over the world. Sarah is on the line now. Hello, Sarah. How are you? Hi, Claire. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. So, Sarah, you are from Ireland, but you're living near Brighton now. Yes. Yeah, we moved. um, I think I moved in 2007, so it's been quite a while. Amazing. So do you hang out with Fatboy Slim and everything down on the beach? (laughs) I have seen him quite a bit in his cafe, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Well, let's start with your story. Your story starts with the loss of your beautiful baby, Alice. If you're okay to tell us a little bit about that and and how life was like after that loss. Yes, of course. So um, it was eight years ago now, so November 2014, and everything was normal about, you know, our pregnancy, our first baby. We had been trying to conceive, I think, for maybe a year and a half prior. Um, and so, yeah, everything was going great. We had a good um, labour up to a certain point. Um, and then I think just things started to go wrong. We didn't know that Alice was in distress. Um Certain things happened in the hospital, you know, or things that didn't, uh, should have happened, didn't happen, etc. And um, eventually they did realise that she was in distress and she was born um, unable to breathe. So she was resussed uh, beside us and then taken away to the NICU, which luckily there was a very good NICU in the hospital that we were in. So um, she was just taken upstairs and put on to cooling. And it transpired that she did at some point during the birthing process didn't get enough oxygen and um, so she had quite severe brain damage 
And then we um, had five days with her there at the hospital. We, you know, got to look after her, talk to her, touch her, etc. Um, and then we had to make the really difficult decision just to take her off life support. We did that on day five. I just um, can't imagine what that must yeah. have, have been like to have a healthy pregnancy, to go in mm. in labour, expecting then, you know, what happened with your previous child and to go through all of that. I mean, it just... It, yeah, I mean, this this is kind of, I suppose, the worst thing that can happen to somebody, maybe. Um, and it's a very big, rock-bottom, earth-shattering, hard-cracking experience. And I... You know, it was so unexpected that the trauma, you know, ripples through every cell of my body. And like I, it was, it was a very difficult few months. You know, it was, I was completely disassociated from my body. I just did not want to be anywhere. <laughs> um, I, I turned to alcohol quite frequently in the evenings just to kind of find something to look forward to, to numb the pain and to numb what I was feeling and I suppose it was then after about three or four months I was like well I can't continue on this path you know I needed something to support me going forward um, and luckily that that was actually getting pregnant again then I find myself with now looking back it was a undiagnosed severe PTSD with a new pregnancy and severe anxiety um starting to build even more as the pregnancy progressed. You know, as you get to the 12 weeks, you start to, you're able to relax more into that. And then that for me was like, oh my God, I have another birth to go through. <laughs> so it was at that point that I was like, okay, I have to do something for me. I mean, the previous six months, I hadn't really, I hadn't really gotten any support. So um, my sister uh, funnily enough, um, we were having a conversation and she just recommended EFT, so emotional freedom technique. Uh, she had had a car crash in the previous year and she was getting flashbacks from that. And because I mentioned flashbacks to her in my conversation, she, it reminded her of this therapy. So basically I found somebody locally. Um, I booked in a six-session package with her that would support me up to and after the birth of our second child. Um and literally, I can't describe from that first session how relieving and different I felt. Like, there's just something changed within me. I was able to drop this bag of anxiety that I was carrying. And I was, it was like, I just knew something in me just said that this is huge. What has just happened today is huge. And are these the kind of practices that you need before you can maybe turn to other healing modalities like seeing a psychologist, like talking through what happened to you? Well, I think it's a, a, a really good complementary practice. Um, as you, So if you worked with somebody for, for a big trauma like this, you would see a EFT therapist. And you do talk a little bit about what happened, but the... the the focus isn't on what happened, it's on how you felt at that time. So you don't have to get into huge amount of detail, which is actually great. Uh, certainly for me, was really great because reliving, you know, huge, big traumas like that can be distressing. But when you have a tool 
in coinciding with that, like like this brain hack that sends the signals to the brain, you're actually um, increasing your, your sense of safety and you're releasing the emotions that you felt at the time. So just talking alone sometimes isn't enough, I personally feel. You know, if people aren't familiar with it, the best thing to do is to go to your website or your YouTube channel, tappingformums.com, to see it in action. But basically you're tapping certain points in the body and saying certain things. So what's the significance of where you tap and what you say? So we start, the, the, there's a sequence of points on the body, which are like a spaghetti junction of um, acupressure or acupuncture points. So every point has been chosen because it has um, quite a lot of impact into the nervous system. And each point actually represents something different. So it's a bit like reflexology on the feet. So if you went to a reflexologist, you would expect them to massage the whole feet. And that, that sends signals to the different parts of the body. Isn't that right? So these points, these 14 points combined, send the signals in, up to the brain. Um, and so, for example, the... the there's a point under the collarbones. It's called K27 in acupuncture and acupressure, which links directly to the production of um, the cortisol and the adrenaline in the kidneys. And even that point alone is amazing if you're struggling to, um, say, for example, a panic attack was coming on or you feel anxious or nervous um, and you couldn't think of anything else to do. If you just tap on those parts of your chest under the collarbone points, that will start to send that signal to the brain. So you have these points that are all connected back up through the, the vagal nerve, back up into the mind, which links into the amygdala, which is the one that con- controls the fight, flight, freeze. And you're talking about, to start with, you have to really focus on how you're feeling, which is the negative energy that is in your body. So, for example, you could be saying, you know, you start off with the side of the hand, with a a set-up statement. So even though I'm feeling really anxious about this interview that I have, I choose to love and accept myself anyway. And then you start tapping on the top of your head. Um, All this anxiety in my, say it's in your stomach, all this anxiety in my stomach. I'm so nervous about this interview as you tap to the next point. You're just really focusing on where it is in your body that you're feeling the energy and what the emotion actually is. And that just starts to work to reduce the intensity of that negative emotion. And then you can move into more neutral statements and more positive statements towards the end of the tapping sequence. But really, it's very quick. You could tap for two, three, four minutes and feel an impact. You could sit and tap for 40 minutes and have a significant impact, a significant breakthrough. But when, when you're tapping by yourself, you can just do a couple of minutes and you will feel a difference. It is for everybody. It really is. Tapping is, I use on my children. You can use on pets and animals. And it, it is brilliant for everybody. But for me, I felt I had a story uh, and I have experience in a certain aspects of life, which is motherhood. And that's what I wanted to focus on. Yeah, I mean, and I do think it's it's good for you to, to feed into one particular niche. But as you say, you are taking on other clients and you've yeah. also begun training others in the practice. So that's another way you're sharing it with everybody. Well, you're on Instagram at Sarah underscore Tobin or people can find out more at tappingformums.com. Sarah Tobin, thank you so much for coming on.
And I'd just like to remind you that my gut health event, Go With Your Gut, is taking place on Wednesday the 1st of February at 7pm at the Morrison Hotel in Dublin. Pharmacist Una O'Hagan will be there talking about how we can mind our gut and the latest research on the microbiome. We'll also be looking at how to add fermented foods to your diet with Fermental. We'll be talking about tuning into your intuition with the wellness psychologist Dr. Cloda Campbell and looking at movement. We'll be joined by Emma West, who's going to get our bodies moving and then chill us out with a gorgeous sound bath. All that for 20 euro with the most amazing goodie bag. If you'd like to come along, just go to Eventbrite and search for Go With Your Gut. So that's it for Alive and Kicking for this week. My thanks to all my guests, to my producer Aoife Breen and to Hugo De Silva Scott, who was on sound. And thanks as ever to you for listening. I will see you next week. Alive and Kicking with Claire McKenna, Sunday morning at 8 with Benelin on News Talk.